0: Hello everyone, this is Jack and you're listening to the Dev90x podcast. Day 30. It's a Sunday and we are one third of the way through the 90 day challenge. I feel very much like I am at a stuck point where the next 60 days is not enough time. But I do keep reminding myself that I've come pretty far already. I have learned machine learning, evaluated a number of different options for various models that I can use to train my handstand vision model. I've actually had a crack at implementing a demo on on a website using JavaScript and um, tensorflow.js and I've actually created a model as well using Apple's Create ML um, activity detection model platform. So I've actually I've come pretty far in terms of the machine learning, deep learning, modeling stuff. Not only not only that, but I've learned a fair bit of JavaScript, and I've taught myself a little bit about database architecture. I've got a, a back end running in Firebase already that was prepared a little bit earlier before I started this podcast, and. Uh, Now I'm learning Swift so that I can build this app as a native iOS app to run on iPhone. I bought my own iPhone and uh, with that I've enjoyed the luxuries of having a a brand new flagship phone but also I've been able to start running apps from Xcode on the device itself which has been very nice. I've learned Xcode in terms of the environment itself in Xcode and <clears throat> being able to use uh, the different menus and layouts and navigation and, and things like that. And I've, u- I've used a bunch of example projects from both Apple and GitHub and Ray Wenderlich tutorials uh, to try and understand a little bit more about iPhone app anatomy. So all in all, I've actually come pretty far in 30 days. And I shouldn't be too hard on myself, (laughs) considering that I'm trying to build something that is well out of my league in terms of my abilities right now. Um, But also, that's just generally not, uh, not a simple project concept. We're using some of the latest technologies. We're using machine learning. We're using deep learning models, and uh, yeah, uh, computer vision. <laughs> so there's quite a stack of technology behind this concept. And um, it's all fairly high-level, high-tech stuff. So uh, it's definitely not easy. I have decided that I want a bit, a bit more help. I want this to be easier. Yesterday's hack was... From Tim Ferriss, what would this look like if it were easy? And um, I thought about that and I thought, well, it, it would be easy if I had more help. It would be great if I didn't need to rely so much on on myself, if I could borrow other people's expertise to help me along the way and also so that I could learn from them. And so I decided that I was going to get some help and pay for it. Um, so I went on Fiverr and I did up a one pager for my app concept. I did the core features, sort of my wish list of what I want to build in the in the prototype demo, and then I did an extended features list of this is where it's going, just to give an idea of the concept um, from a bird's eye view. And then I did <laughs> future future features <clears throat> of where it would go if uh, you know if it was successful. To give a much better kind of vision view i sent it out to so far just three different sellers and one of them came back immediately saying that he was keen and uh, the other two came back about an hour later saying that it looks interesting and asking some more questions so the guy who's keen has kind of pressured me to get started with it and in response to that i've sort of I've become a little bit wary as he, you know, he sent a message saying, go to this link. And then it was a, a secret message that kind of like a self-destruct message service that had a link to his WhatsApp. And, you know, he said, don't message, uh, mention WhatsApp on Fiverr and uh, let's take the conversation off platform. And uh, I assu- I'm assuming that he w- also wants to take payment off the platform, which means that I'm not protected under um, any of Fiverr's buyer protection policies. So my gut feeling is that this guy, he might actually just be a, be a scammer. Um, pretty new profile on Fiverr and not a lot of reviews. And I did some research on the reviews and one review, he has like eight in total. Uh, one reviewer seems seems to be fake. The way I did my review research, thing about Fiverr is that if you don't, Buy the service through the platform. you can't leave a review. It's not like anyone can just come and review a a seller. It has to be reviews by people who have purchased their service, which in a way makes it difficult to get fake reviews because it means that the reviewer has processed a payment through the platform. Of course, you can just you know it's Fiverr, so you can make the the service extremely cheap, and then you, Obviously, kick back the payment to the person who left you the review, and that's how you could just buy reviews. But at the same time, um, uh, you can't you can't click on a reviewer and look at their profile and look at you know maybe what other services they've bought, things like that. However, what you can do is you can grab their username and you can Google it and you just type that username, and then Fiverr, and then Google will show you a list of all the reviews that they've left. So I did a little bit of research on this one particular reviewer, and it seems to be that they have a very inconsistent level of um, English grammar usage patterns and vocab. So it seems to be a fake to me, and I've got all these red flags going, so I don't know. I don't know. It's like one of those two good-to-be-true things. It's like, Oh, I want all of this done and I'm gonna offer not a lot of money for it. And I'm expecting a negotiation to happen from this point. And he just was straight up, I'll do it. <laughs> I'm the man. And I, I said, Well, why why did you accept so, so soon? Isn't this, you know, this I, I expected a little bit of negotiation, to be honest. And he said, No, it's it's good, I'll do it, I'll do a great job. And I expect a tip. I just want to prove myself, then I then you can tip me. And I I thought, okay, that's that's fair enough. That's that's wonderful for me, but I don't know. I still got my red flags going, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do my full on due diligence. This guy, his his name's Abdullah, and he's Pakistani, and uh, might be a total fake fake profile. So we'll see, we'll see. That's where I'm at with Fiverr. Other than that, yesterday I did another hour on the treadmill, um, and I'm calling it the tutorial mill, because I'm trying to use that hour of walking to, to kill two birds with one stone. On one, on one hand, it's the exercise, and it's really good exercise. And then on the other hand, it's tutorials that I'm watching on YouTube or you know, uh, completing my Udemy course. So just making progress in general with the education side. I found that it's definitely not ideal to be watching coding tutorials from your phone screen while you're walking on a treadmill, because number one, it's like it's like a good two feet away from your face. and then number number two, it's a little bit shaky, like just a tiny bit unsteady. So it's really not the best user experience in terms of video, especially coding, like you can't actually read what's on the screen, so you kind of have to guess at what it is based on their narration, but I've got this thing where um, it's like a mantra, I guess. One of my, one of my sayings that I keep telling to myself is like, embrace the imperfection of this situation Um, because you can choose binary, yes or no, black or white, or you can choose something in between. Um, And in my experience in life, choosing the something in between is usually a better way to go <laughs> not always like definitely binary sometimes like if, for example you know you want to cut cut ties with a person that you've been in a relationship with you could choose the black or white option or you could just choose the binary option and just fully sever the tie in certain situations binary is better but in this situation it's like oh it's not a perfect you know it's like being a, a sunny day-only person, like a, a good weather <laughs> a good weather student I don't, I don't know what to call it, but like it's not perfect, but you can have zero or you can have some. And I would choose to have some rather than zero in this instance. So the tutorials still definitely help somewhat, even though I can't read what's on the screen. So I will continue doing that because I think it's a little bit more useful than just listening to podcasts. Talking about podcasts for a second, um, I'm, I don't think you could ever become proficient at coding just from listening to podcasts. Having said that, they do help. They still do help. Like They make you aware of tools. They make you aware of services. They make you aware of trends. They make you aware of um, skills that you might need. They make you aware of code and of APIs and the names of said APIs. They make you aware of things that are difficult to, so yeah, awareness of things that other people struggle with in terms of architecture, in terms of code. Um, For example, I'm now aware that concurrency is all about thread management and it's all to do with this async await kind of architecture where you can have things running on the main thread of the CPU and defer things to run, to run on different threads that might block the main thread. And what would happen if you block the main thread is that your app would lag or just pause until that process is finished and then it continue, can continue on synchronously from there. Um, so I've learned about all of this from listening to podcasts. As I, you know, there's, you don't learn this from just like reading code or learning about, you know, syntax of, of a coding language. This is more a higher level abstraction of architecture and kind of best practices. That's all really good for learning uh, for learning through listening to podcasts. So podcasts definitely have their place. Audiobooks, um, I wish they were better, to be honest. They're, it seems like all the audiobooks on Amazon are just audio versions of written books that were not designed to be audiobooks. But... You know, why not just throw it up as an audiobook in case somebody buys it? I, I really dislike that. I think that audiobooks should, especially about code, especially especially about code. I mean, certain topics that are better digested through through written format can be put into audio, kind of just half heart you know half heartedly translated across but coding is just one of those things. It's, it needs to be redesigned if it's going to be digested through audio. So that is pretty much where I'm at. Um, Jack's hack for today is ecstatic dance. <laughs> I bet you did not expect this. Um, so it's been a while since I've been to ecstatic dance and it's something that I used to do a lot here in Bali. When you haven't been dancing or moving your body for a long time like this, there's a definite, um, there's <laughs> you, you basically just don't want to do it There's a definite resistance to it that I experience, And for me, I have, I hadn't been to ecstatic dance in a number of months now. Of course, with coronavirus and everything, the dances have been shut down and they've been intermittent or secret pop-up locations and guest lists and private lists and all of those things have made it a little bit more difficult. And I've kind of just stopped trying to go. Although I finally did get my ass to a dance today. And it takes about 15 minutes to get into it because it just feels weird. It feels wrong to... Just go and move your body in strange ways. But you feel so good after doing it. It's one of the best forms of exercise because you're not like stuck in a rigid movement pattern. You're doing all kinds of random movements with your body. And the sum of all of those random movements is just a really good workout. And it just really gets your blood flowing and the creative juices flowing. So... Ecstatic dance, oh, it's its a weird as hell thing, but it's so good for your mind and, and body and you feel just great after it. So I recommend if you have never tried, <laughs> if you've never tried ecstatic dance, I recommend you give it a go. It's definitely very, very awkward to get into it for the first time if you've never done it before. And even if you've done it plenty of times before, but you haven't been in a while, again, it's still awkward. It's one of those things that just feels awkward to do, but just do it and you'll thank yourself. Other than that, my life update is that I don't have to move because I negotiated a better deal with my rent. And so I can stay here for another month and I'm feeling relaxed again, which is great. And yesterday I had a three minute conversation in Bahasa Indonesian with a parking guy who helps park the bikes at the spa that I go to where I go to the sauna. He, uh, I've known this guy for a while, but I've never really had a much of a conversation with him because he doesn't speak very much English. Um, uh, as a lot, a lot of the parking people here they, they don't speak English cause they don't, not really have like a, a service job where you have to interact with people. Um, and so all I've been doing is just kind of like fist bumping him and like saying, you know, uh, Salamat Siang and and Salamat Malam and you know Salamat Pagi. just like good morning, good good day, good evening. And um, this time we we actually had a conversation and I used the language that I've been picking up through reading and I, I it honestly shocked me like I surprised myself that I was able to just casually answer his questions and understand them and. The lesson that I learned from that is that you know, you just all you have to do is persist. Learning a new language is not an easy undertaking. It's it's pretty, pretty tough thing to do. But if you just persist and keep a, a strong daily habit of practice, whatever practice that is that's enjoyable, for me it's reading Harry Potter at the moment. Um, and doing Duolingo. But yeah, it definitely works. And so I've thought about that with learning Swift. And now I'm trying to think how, how can I turn this into a fun long-term habit where it's really just nothing to me, but overall it will turn into or convert into Swift fluency or iOS fluency. Uh, As I feel like in a way, in some ways, it feels like it's, you, you can either be fluent or not be able to build anything at all. It feels kind of like there's a very big leap where you're actually able to to do things properly in iOS development and before that you're kind of not able to do anything properly. <laughs> it just feels like there's there's like a black box where you know, you just have to write everything perfectly and then you hit the compile button and it'll just run perfectly. And there's no testing of each step along the way you you test the whole chunk or the whole block at one time in one go. And that to me is the thing that makes iOS development really difficult, is that it seems like you kind of just need to be fluent at the language to be able to do anything. Um, whereas with JavaScript, you could write one line and test it in the console and then another line test it in the console. And that testing could be automated to be almost instantaneous. So you're getting real-time feedback. Whereas you know with Swift, it's like no, you've got to compile it, wait for it to compile, wait for it to load up in the emulator, and then you can look at the debug console and you can look at, you can play with your app. So yeah, definitely, definitely a lot harder to learn. That's it for today, uh, day thirty, and I'm excited for the next thirty days. It's definitely not easy doing this every day, but. I am going to continue and and do my best. No, I'm not going to do my best. I'm going to do it every day. (laughs) So thanks for listening, everyone. And I'll talk to you tomorrow.